Story 14 of Fevers and Physicians In Space Edward Short Sci-Fi Volume 2 Bad Medicine by Robert Sheckley On May 2nd, 2103, Elwood Castle walked rapidly down Broadway with a loaded revolver hidden in his coat pocket. He didn't want to use the weapon, but feared he might anyhow. This was a justifiable assumption, for Caswell was a homicidal maniac. It was a gentle, misty spring day, and the air held the smell of rain and blossoming dogwood. Caswell grabbed the revolver in his sweaty right hand and tried to think of a single valid reason why he should not kill a man named Magnuson, who, the other day, had commented on how well Caswell looked. What business was it of Magnuson's how he looked? Damned busybodies, always spoiling things for everybody. Caswell was a choleric little man with fierce red eyes, bulldog jowls, and ginger-red hair. He was a sort you'd expect to find perched on a detergent box, orating to a group of lunching businessmen and amused students, shouting, Mars for the Martians! Venus for the Venotians! But in truth, Caswell was uninterested in the deplorable social conditions of extraterrestrials. He was a jet bus conductor for the New York Rapid Transit Corporation. He minded his own business, and he was quite mad. Fortunately, he knew this at least part of the time, with at least half of his mind. Perspiring freely, Caswell continued down Broadway toward the 43rd Street branch of Home Therapy Appliances, Inc. His friend Magnuson would be finishing work soon, returning to his little apartment less than a block from Caswell's. How easy it would be, how pleasant, to saunter in, exchange a few words, and— No, Caswell took a deep gulp of air and reminded himself that he didn't really want to kill anyone. It was not right to kill people. The authorities would lock him up. His friends wouldn't understand. His mother would never have approved. But these arguments seemed pallid, over-intellectual, and entirely without force. Simple fact remained. He wanted to kill Magnuson. Could so strong a desire be wrong, or even unhealthy? Yes, it could. With an agonized groan, Caswell sprinted the last few steps into the home therapy appliances store. Just being within such a place gave him an immediate sense of relief. The lighting was discreet, the draperies were neutral, the displays of glittering therapy machines were neither too bland nor obstreperous. It was the kind of place where a man could happily lie down on the carpet in the shadow of the therapy machines, secure in the knowledge that help for any sort of trouble was at hand. A clerk with fair hair and a long supercilious nose glided up softly, but not too softly, and murmured, May one help? Therapy, said Caswell. Of course, sir, the clerk answered, smoothing his lapels and smiling winningly. This is what we're here for. He gave Caswell a searching look, performed an instant mental diagnosis, and tapped a gleaming white and copper machine. Now this, the clerk said, is the new alcoholic reliever, built by IBM and advertised in the leading magazines. A handsome piece of furniture, I think you will agree and not out of place in any home. It opens into a television set. With a flick of his narrow wrist, the clerk opened the alcoholic reliever, revealing a fifty-two-inch screen. I need, Caswell began. Therapy, the clerk finished for him. Of course, I just wanted to point out that this model need never cause embarrassment for yourself, your friends, or loved ones. Notice, if you will, the recessed dial which controls the desired degree of drinking. See, if you do not wish total abstinence, 
you consider to heavy, moderate, social, or light. That is a new feature, unique in mechanotherapy. I'm not an alcoholic, Caswell said with considerable dignity. The New York Rapid Transport Corporation does not hire alcoholics. Oh, said the clerk, glancing distrustfully at Caswell's bloodshot eyes. You seem a little nervous. Perhaps the portable Bendix anxiety reducer. Anxiety's not my ticket either. What have you got for homicidal mania? The clerk pursed his lips. Schizophrenic or manic depressive origins? I don't know, Caswell admitted, somewhat taken aback. It really doesn't matter, Clerk told him. Just a private theory of my own. From my experience in the store, redheads and blondes are prone to schizophrenia, while brunettes incline toward the manic depressive. That's interesting. Have you worked here long? A week. Now then, here is just what you need, sir. He put his hand affectionately on a squat black machine with chrome trim. What's that? That, sir, is the Rex Regenerator, built by General Motors. Isn't it handsome? It can go with any decor and opens up a well-stocked bar. Your friends, family, loved ones need never know. Will it cure a homicidal urge? Caswell asked. A strong one. Absolutely. Don't confuse this with the little 10-amp neurosis models. This is a hefty, heavy-duty, 25-amp machine for a really deep-rooted major condition. That's what I've got, said Caswell with pardonable pride. This baby will jot it out of you. Big, heavy-duty thrust bearings, oversized heat absorbers, completely insulated, sensitivity range of over... I'll take it, Caswell said. Right now I'll pay cash. Fine, I'll just telephone storage and... This one'll do, Caswell said, pulling out his billfold. I'm in a hurry to use it. I want to kill my friend Magnuson, you know. The clerk clucked sympathetically. You wouldn't want to do that. Plus five percent sales tax. Thank you, sir. Full instructions are inside. Caswell thanked him, lifted the regenerator in both arms and hurried out. After figuring his commission, the clerk smiled to himself and lighted a cigarette. His enjoyment was spoiled when the manager, a large man impressively equipped with pinsnez, marched out of his office. Haskins, the manager said, I thought I asked you to rid yourself of that filthy habit. Yes, Mr. Follinsby, sorry, sir, Haskins apologized, snobbing out the cigarette. I'll use the display denicotinizer at once. Made rather a good sale, Mr. Follinsby, one of the big Rex regenerators. Really? said the manager, impressed. It isn't often we... Wait a minute, you didn't sell the floor model, did you? Why, why, I'm afraid I did, Mr. Follinsby. The customer was in such a terrible hurry. Was there any reason? Mr. Follinsby gripped his prominent white forehead in both hands as though he wished to rip it off. Haskins, I told you, I must have told you, that display regenerator was a Martian model, for giving mechanotherapy to Martians. Oh, Haskins said. He thought for a moment. Oh, Mr. Follinsby stared at his clerk in grim silence. But does it really matter? Haskins asked quickly. Surely the machine won't discriminate. I should think it will treat a homicidal tendency, even if the patient were not a Martian. The Martian race never had the slightest tendency toward homicide. A Martian regenerator doesn't even process a concept. Of course the regenerator will treat him, it has to. But what will it treat? Oh, said Haskins. That poor devil must be stopped before you say he was homicidal. I don't know what'll happen. Quick, what is his address? Well, Mr. Follinsby, he was in such a terrible hurry. The manager gave him a long, unbelieving look. 
Get the police. Tell the General Motor Security Division. Find him. Haskins raced for the door. Wait, yelled the manager, struggling into a raincoat. I'm coming too. Elwood Caswell returned to his apartment by taxicopter. He lugged the regenerator into his living room, put it down near the couch, and studied it thoughtfully. Your clock was right, he said after a while. It does go with the room. Aesthetically, the regenerator was a success. Caswell admired it for a few more moments. Then he went into the kitchen and fixed himself a chicken sandwich. He ate slowly, staring fixedly at a point just above and to the left of his kitchen clock. Damn you, Magnuson, dirty, no-good, lying, shifty-eyed enemy of all that's decent and clean in the world. Taking the revolver from his pocket, he laid it on the table. With a stiffened forefinger, he poked it into different positions. It was time to begin therapy. Accepted. Caswell realized worriedly that he didn't want to lose the desire to kill Magnuson. What would become of him if he lost that urge? His life would lose all purpose, all coherence, all flavor and zest. It'd be quite dull, really. Moreover, he had a great and genuine grievance against Magnuson, one he didn't like to think about. Irene, his poor sister, debauched by the subtle and insidious Magnuson, ruined by him and cast aside. What better reason could a man have to take his revolver in? Caswell finally remembered that he did not have a sister. Now was really the time to begin therapy. He went into the living room and found the operating instructions tucked into a ventilation louver of the machine. He opened them and read, To operate all Rex model regenerators. 1. Place the regenerator near a comfortable couch. A comfortable couch can be purchased as an additional accessory from any General Motors dealer. 2. Plug in the machine. 3. Affix the adjustable contact band to the forehead. And that's all. Your regenerator will do the rest. There will be no language bar or dialect problem, since the regenerator communicates by direct sense contact, patent pending. All you must do is cooperate. Try not to feel any embarrassment or shame. Everyone has problems, and many are worse than yours. Your regenerator has no interest in your morals or ethical standards, so don't feel it is judging you. It desires only to aid you in becoming well and happy. As soon as it has collected and processed enough data, your regenerator will begin treatment. You make the sessions as short or as long as you like. You are the boss. And of course, you can end a session at any time. That's all there is to it. Simple, isn't it? Now plug in your General Motors regenerator and get sane. Nothing hard about that, Caswell said to himself. He pushed the regenerator closer to the couch and plugged it in. He lifted the headband, started to slip it on, stopped. Feels so silly, he giggled. Abruptly he closed his mouth and stared pugnaciously at the black and chrome machine. Do you think you can make me sane, huh? The regenerator didn't answer. Oh, well, go ahead and try. He slipped the headband over his forehead, crossed his arms on his chest, and leaned back. Nothing happened. Caswell settled himself more comfortably on the couch. He scratched his shoulder and put the headband at a more comfortable angle. Still nothing. His thoughts began to wander. Magnuson, you noisy, overbearing oaf, you disgusting. Good afternoon, a voice murmured in his head. I am your mechanotherapist. Caswell twitched guiltily. Hello, I was just, you know, just sort of, of course, the machine said soothingly. Don't we all? I am now scanning the material in your preconscious with the intent of synthesis, diagnosis, 
prognosis and treatment. I find... Yes? Just one moment. The regenerator was silent for several minutes. Then hesitantly it said, This is beyond doubt a most unusual case. Really? Caswell asked, please. Yes. The coefficients seem... I'm not sure. The machine's robotic voice grew feeble. The pilot light began to flicker and fade. Hey, what's the matter? Confusion, said the machine. Of course, it went on in a stronger voice. The unusual nature of the symptoms need not prove entirely baffling to a competent therapeutic machine. A symptom, no matter how bizarre, is no more than a signpost, an indication of inner difficulty, and all symptoms can be related to the broad mainstream of proven theory, since the theory is effective the symptoms must relate, we will proceed on that assumption. You sure you know what you're doing? asked Caswell, feeling light-headed. The machine snapped back, its pilot light blazing. Mechanotherapy today is an exact science and admits no significant errors. We will proceed with a word association test. Fire away, said Caswell. House, home, dog, cat, fleeful. Caswell hesitated, trying to figure out the word. It sounded vaguely Martian, but it might be Venusian or even... Fleeful, Regenerator repeated. More foosh, Caswell replied, making up the word on the spur of the moment. Loud, sweet, green, mother. Thanagoyas, Panamathonga, Arides, Nexnothes Madrastica, Chithes Nohel Gnopticus, Wigmaru Ladocentric Propietra, Caswell shot back. It was a collection of sounds he was particularly proud of. The average man would not have been able to pronounce them. Hmm, said the regenerator. The pattern fits. It always does. What pattern? You have, the machine informed him, a classic case of theme desire. Complicated by strong, dwarkish intentions. I do, I thought I was homicidal. That term is no referent, the machine said severely. Therefore I must reject it as nonsense syllabification. Now consider these points. The theme desire is perfectly normal. Never forget that. But it is usually replaced at an early age by the Hovendish revulsion. Individuals lacking in this basic environmental response. I'm not absolutely sure I know what you're talking about, Caswell confessed. Please, sir, we must establish one thing at once. You are the patient, I am the mechanotherapist. You have brought your troubles to me for treatment, but you cannot expect help unless you cooperate. All right, Caswell said. I'll try. Up to now, he had been bathed in a warm glow of superiority. Everything the machine said seemed mildly humorous. As a matter of fact, he had felt capable of pointing out a few things wrong with a mechanotherapist. Now that sense of well-being evaporated, as it always did, and Caswell was alone terribly alone and lost, a creature of his compulsions, in search of a little peace and contentment. He would undergo anything to find them. Sternly, he reminded himself that he had no right to comment on the mechanotherapist. These machines knew what they were doing, and had been doing it for a long time. He would cooperate, no matter how outlandish the treatment seemed, from his layman's viewpoint. But it was obvious, Caswell thought, settling himself grimly on the couch that mechanotherapy was going to be far more difficult than he had imagined. A search for the missing customer had been brief and useless. He was nowhere to be found on the teeming New York streets, and no one could remember seeing a red-haired, red-eyed little man lugging a black therapeutic machine. It was all too common the sight. In answer to an urgent telephone call, the police came immediately. Four of them, led by a harassed young lieutenant of detectives, Named Smith. Smith just had time to ask, Say, why don't you people put tags on things? when there was an interruption. 
The man pushed his way past the policeman at the door. He was tall and gnarled and ugly, and his eyes were deep-set and bleakly blue. His clothes, unpressed and uncaring, hung on him like a corrugated iron. What do you want? Lieutenant Smith asked. The ugly man flipped back his lapel, showing a small silver badge beneath. I'm John Wath, General Motors Security Division. Oh, sorry, sir, Lieutenant Smith said, saluting. I didn't think you people would move in so fast. Wrath made a non-committal noise. Have you checked for prints, Lieutenant? The customer might have touched some other therapy machine. I'll get right on it, sir, Smith said. It wasn't often that one of the operatives from GM, GE, or IBM came down to take a personal hand. If a local cup showed he was really clicking, there just might be the possibility of an industrial transfer. Wrath turned to Fallensby and Haskett's and transfixed them with a gaze as piercing and as impersonal as a radar beam. It's has a full story, he said, taking a notebook and pencil from a shapeless pocket. He listened to the tale in ominous silence. Finally, he closed his notebook, thrust it back into his pocket, and said, The therapeutic machines are a sacred trust. To give a customer the wrong machine is a betrayal of that trust, a violation of the public interest, and a defamation of the company's good reputation. The manager nodded in agreement, glaring at his unhappy clerk. The Martian model, Rath continued, should never have been on the floor in the first place. I can explain that, Farnsby said hastily. We needed a demonstrator model, and I wrote to the company telling them this might, Rath broke in inexorably, be considered a case of gross criminal negligence. Both the manager and the clerk exchanged horrified looks. They were thinking of the General Motors reformatory outside of Detroit, where company offenders passed their days in sullen silence, monotonously drawing microcircuits for pocket television sets. However, this is out of my jurisdiction, Rath said. He turned his baleful gaze full upon Haskins. You are certain that the customer never mentioned his name? No, sir. I mean, yes, I'm sure, Haskins replied rattledly. Did he mention any names at all? Haskins plunged his face into his hands. He looked up and said eagerly, Yes, he wanted to kill someone, a friend of his. Oh, Rath asked with terrible patience. The friend's name was, let me think, Magneton. That was it. Magneton. Oh, was it Morrison? Oh, dear. Mr. Rath's iron face registered a rather corrugated disgust. People were useless as witnesses, worse than useless since they were frequently misleading. For reliability, give him a robot every time. Didn't he mention anything significant? Let me think, Haskins said, his face twisting into a fit of concentration. Rath waited. Mr. Follinsby cleared his throat. I was just thinking, Mr. Rath, about that Martian machine. It won't treat a Terran homicidal case as homicidal, will it? Of course not. Homicide is unknown on Mars. Yes, but what will it do? Might it not reject the entire case as unsuitable? Then the customer would merely return the regenerator with a complaint, and we would... Mr. Rath shook his head. The Rex regenerator must treat if it finds evidence of psychosis. By Martian standards, the customer is a very sick man, a psychotic, no matter what is wrong with him. Hollinsby removed his pinsnares and polished them rapidly. What will the machine do, then? It will treat him for the Martian illness, most analogous to his case. Fiend desire, I should imagine, with various complications. As for what will happen once treatment begins, I don't know. 
I doubt whether anyone knows, since it's never happened before. Offhand, I would say there are two major alternatives. The patient may reject the therapy out of hand, in which case he is left with his homicidal mania unabated, or he may accept the Martian therapy and reach a cure. Mr. Fallensby's face brightened. Oh, a cure is possible. You don't understand, Rath said. He may effect a cure of his non-existent Martian psychosis, but to cure something that is not there is, in effect, to erect a gratuitous delusional system. He might say that the machine would work in reverse, producing psychosis instead of removing it. Mr. Fallensby groaned and leaned against a bell psychosomatica. The result, Rath summed up, will be to convince the customer that he was a Martian, a sane Martian, naturally. Haskins suddenly shouted, I remember, I remember now. He said he worked for the New York Rapid Transit Corporation. I remember distinctly. That's a break, Rath said, reaching for the telephone. Haskins wiped his perspiring face in relief. And I just remembered something else that should make it easier still. What? The customer said he'd been an alcoholic at one time. I'm sure of it, because he was interested at first in the IBM alcoholic reliever until I talked him out of it. He had red hair, you know. And I've had a theory for some time about red-headedness and alcoholism. It seems excellent, Rath said. Alcoholism will be on his records. It narrows the search considerably. As he dialed the NYRT corporation, the expression on his crag-like face was almost pleasant. It was good for a change to find a human could retain some significant facts. To be continued.